1: Hey man, I did obviously not make the appropriate sacrifice to the voodoo Zencaster gods today. So this is, I think, our, our third attempt in five minutes to get started with this episode. How are you, buddy? It's good to see you.
0: I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad it happened in the first five minutes each time rather than the last five minutes because that's a, a much different conversation.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a, a kick in the virtual nuts, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> but we're back. We're back on line. We're ready.
1: Yeah, yeah. If this sounds weird, it's because we uh, we had like... A couple of quick false starts with the software and the the computer just completely rebooting. So, anyway, what's life without a few glitches? Life is sometimes a perpetual glitch. Right on. Well, hey man, I um, I think I started uh, making a comment about your awesome looking new fade. Did you? Uh, is that a, a homebrew number or how did that go?
0: Oh yeah, this definitely is a home number. Um, I know somebody who's uh, pretty skilled in the trade. So, uh, oftentimes I, uh, I get treated to, you know, a pretty fresh cut. And, uh, it's funny people, people forget often <laughs> that my wife, uh, it, it does that. And so, um, you know, kind of, they're like, Oh yeah, that is right. I forgot that she's uh, a, she's a stylist.
1: When my daughter was over to your spot a couple of months ago, I think we were doing the exchange to pick up the Norcane watch. In here? In the salon? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my daughter was like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" And she's totally looking for. This is my uh, my senior. She's looking for somebody new. I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could give her a call." Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a sweet setup. Any yeah, no, it
0: works out really good.
1: So, how are you, man? How's your day?
0: Things are good. Um, I'm trying to think. We're you know sort of uh, getting a chance for you and I to catch up. We've we haven't had a chance to 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 spend time just uh, catching up on some of our our own little things going on or, or musings from around the watch world and booze world. Uh, we've been blessed to have, I think, gosh, four straight episodes of amazing guests. Um, so it's been a, a departure in some ways from our, our usual one-on-one, but it's been a great run. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. When you think about it, I, I want to say, yeah, it's, I think, four in a row, right? Going in, in no particular order, right? We had uh, we had Chase doing the the miles of dials, the different dial materials episode. Um, we had uh, Asha Wagner, right? Uh, Wildlander Six, firefighter person extraordinaire. That was a actually that was an amazing sit down with her. I would I'd love. Uh, to we actually, had a lot We need to do a road trip up there for for food and and drink.
0: Yeah, a few folks have DM'd us recently. You know, probably catching the Asha episode, and and even recently talking, which you're probably about to hit on, but with, with the Formex uh, team you know about hey when you guys are up up north please let us know so we definitely will
1: yeah yeah well as you said we also had a sit down with Formex, right that's uh rafael and marcus marcus here in in california rafael in switzerland to talk about their watches and then i guess most well no not most recently actually the episode before last was with uh spence from whiskey and watches hashtag watchpot alliance bro and uh this, you know, new, new young guy in the watch writing space, James Stacy, have you ever heard of him?
0: He's a, uh, I think he's, it's a familiar name. I, I think he does some writing, probably some other content. Um, no, no. I mean, that was, that was first of all, first and foremost, just an amazingly fun conversation. It took, I mean, we could have went for even more hours. It was just so I much need fun, but um, uh, it, 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 I, need I need to stop.
1: All right. That's potty break over for, uh, Greg's little guy and we are back and yeah, James Stacy, I think he's got a big future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's doing all right. No, that was, it was so much fun. Um, we, we covered F1 of course was like the main topic, but we, we basically touched everything under the sun and, and I think we could have went on for <laughs> a couple more hours, you know, uh, and that, that episode's just going bonkers. So a, a big shout out to, 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 to James and, and the granito and, and of course, uh, He needs no further introduction. Everybody knows him. He's amazing.
1: No, totally. Yeah. There's only so much playing it cool I can do. Um, You know, clearly I'm an absolute fanboy. Love his work and just very grateful that he was uh, so generous with his time. That was really cool. And Spence, too, for that matter. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff going on. So that was a fun episode. But we are uh, for the first time in like two months, like you said, finally, you know, kind of sitting down, just catching up. And maybe the best place to start was with a wrist check and forecheck, check, man. What do you got?
0: Sounds good to me. Um, I am wearing Omega moon swatch Jupiter. And right now I have it on this strap habit, uh, stretchy NATO. This thing is super, this is a great, first of all, it looks fantastic. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a great stretch. I mean, this thing is as comfortable as any strap, any NATO strap specifically, but any strap could be. Uh, so shout out to strap habit. Uh, by the way, I don't know if everybody caught it, but he's doing, um, lifetime warranties on all his straps. And, uh, he was already able to take care of something for me. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. So if you're on the fence or haven't given it a shot, what really sure, you know, what to think about, uh, you know, trying a new strap company out if you haven't you've probably seen them everywhere they've been on our show and and of course wrist cheese and all, all kinds of spots and whiskey and watches uh not to mention others but anyway uh another vote of confidence for for the work they're doing so i have it on this uh the strap habit stretchy needle and i just took it off of these again another great look these perpetual strap these are these sort of integrated um basically omega you know moon watch moon swatch i mean they're they're kind of geared towards a moonswatch crowd, but of course they would fit either case. Um, these are really good. I had these, I had this on here most recently too. I've got this sort of orange digital camo and, and this uh, black with sort of gray, uh, orange stripe. And uh, these are, these are really solid. So I can tell between the two of these, that's where I'm probably going to be for the next uh, few months going in between both of them. Um, really enjoying those. Hey, real quick, before I get into the poor check, five words or less Moonswatch. Moonshine Gold. What's your reaction?
1: Well, I mean, as far as the watch goes, I like it. You know, I mean, there's certainly nothing not to like about that. I know a lot of people were kind of like, "eh, yawn," or you know, sort of ticked off just the fact that there's so much energy around these things. Still, Um, again, I'd love to play it cool and be like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'm not interested." I've wanted one from day one. They're basic for all intents and purposes. I mean, if you if you live kind of like west of the Rockies, they're practically unobtainium. I mean, there's basically a store in San Francisco <laughs> to service a landmass like the size of the EU, uh, you know, with a, a population of at least a hundred million people. I mean, it's unfathomable to me that like greater Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, just just that as a population center has zero access. And I think Manhattan has like five. But whatever. Um, so I'm not butthurt at all. But I think the watch is really cool, and you know, I absolutely would love to have one. I mean, especially at that price, it looks great. I mean, to me, it looks really cool. I think the yeah. you know, the the moonshine gold angle is what it is. It's you know, it's a little gimmicky, but at the end of the day, it's a moonswatch and it's it's a fun take on you know one of the best, like most classic, iconic watches in the world, the Moonwatch. Yeah, cool. Well, that like wasn't it. five words. That really <laughs> wasn't five words. Sorry, it was very. Oh, I thought you said it five minutes.
0: uh i would say shrug um should have been something actually gold i don't know uh i think um uh went over it on on wrist cheese you know i guess my whole thing at the beginning was hey maybe actually make it a moonshine gold hand obviously you gotta change the price i don't think anybody was really concerned about that part of it uh but there were some issues of course with you know having enough power and torque to get that that weight of a second's hand around, which I appreciate, but I don't know, something interesting, but it is handsome. It's attractive and we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's not much more you can say, you know, that sort of is what it is. It is interesting though. It does confirm that a full year after there is still, you know, some uh, hunger for those watches. And it obviously, it confirms that Omega is, Omega actually swatch is willing to, you know, further iterate on the watch. So you know who knows that will there be another one next year? Maybe, probably. Um, did you see the the video on Fratello with RJ and Andrew McCutcheon from yeah, uh, Time we were, and Tide? We were
0: chatting, yeah, we were chatting about that over the weekend,
1: weren't we? Oh my God, that was the best thing I've seen in a long time. Just the the RJ. Pharrell Snoop Dogg thing. It seemed so spontaneous. I I would love to be a fly on the wall and be like, "Was that rehearsed? That was perfect." <laughs> <laughs> RJ, no, was if you if good. you're listening, and I know you're not, maybe Michael tell you uh, Stockton tell RJ he's a uh, an awesome Pharrell impersonator. That was hilarious.
0: In the glass, I have what would be the most recent delivery from uh, McGay Me Latte, which is the mezcal subscription service. We talked about it a bunch on here. Awesome. Oh yeah, good stuff. Great stuff. Awesome team. Um, And this two months, so they're bi-monthly, right? So I have March, February and March in front of me. I'm going to start with March just because of the ABV. This is um, a cenizo agave, which is pretty common in Durango. And uh, the maestra is Daniela Guzman Avila. And this is tasty. Um, This is checking in at 46.4%. And um, it's uh, the agaves are hand crushed, so that's pretty um, incredible. Um, always got to appreciate the hard work that goes into that. And uh, just a very, I think, a very clean, classic, you know, Siniso. Um, it's fresh, um, you know, a little bit of uh, pepper and, and heat through the end, but it's a real easy drinker at 46. I would actually surmise it was closer to 40 without uh, if I was doing it blind. The other one, which I'll maybe tap into later, is pretty. Uh, high octane is uh, from Pedro Valdez. And this is a Salmiana from, um, uh, and these are actually from Guanajuato, And these are actually, and so this gentleman steam cooks his agave rather than the earthen pit. And so there's a different flavor profile and he runs it almost like a single pass through his his, uh, distillation. But he only usually bottles them at 40% or lower because he usually sells domestically within, Mexico and fun fact: a lot of spirits, especially tequilas, are sort of forty percent and even lower, thirty-eight, thirty-five in Mexico. So this is what they would call his puntas, which is sort of, uh, you know, the 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 tail, you know, the 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 tail cut um, or uh, the heads, excuse me. And um, so this checks in at sixty percent, which is going to be quite pleasant, but it's a hot one and it's pretty tasty. Its flavors are dialed up to like
1: twelve. Dude, is that when you have that? and you're nosing that in the glass. I mean, does that come off as really, really volatile? You know, in other words, is it the kind of thing that you like pick up in the, in the membranes in your nose?
0: I would, yeah, you got to be careful when I think, you know, you, anybody would tell, tell you, probably tell you something similar, for, right? For a high proof whiskey, you know, your vessel is going to be super important. You got to be careful how, how far you're planting your beak inside your, your glass. Uh, Cause yeah, it's going to come off hot. Right. Um, so yeah, there's some, you know, there's some vapors and some sort of, high, high octane stuff going on there. Um, so yeah, you just sort of, I think your vessel's important and then you're probably going to give a little bit more distance than you would if you really were to get in there with something at 40 or even 45%.
1: Right on. Yeah. That seems adventurous, man. I like it. Danger's my middle name. (laughs) Excellent. Well, Hey man, I, uh, I also have agave, but it's not in the glass. it's the watch. Check it out. What? This is the new Mike, watch Mike alert so, yeah, so this is the uh the Weiss watch thirty eight millimeter. This is kind of long anticipated because he announced this, I think at the end of the summer, and I think it it did take about five or six months for these to get done. This is the thirty eight millimeter hand cranker, the standard issue. so if you're familiar with Weiss watch, it's you know it's the same form factor that you'd be used to. However, it has it's uh, executed in titanium, so the case is very light, and it has the agave dial limited edition. I believe there are twenty of these, and I think he did a an agave dial, so this kind of slate green, flat green, and then he did a um, almost like a, a well, it was a gray, but I'm trying to you know think of what the the eh, how about this? Did, it was a gray. Do you call it carbon? Yeah, I, something like that. The the one I was concerned with, of course, just because of the the agave connection and my homie time and tequila, and having learned so much, you know, about the agave spirits and stuff, I, I was immediately attracted to this one. Asked him to save one of these, and then I just I went a little bit further, and because of the uh, the approximately two year anniversary of the uh, the podcast, I had it engraved. So this is this says Spirit of Time, on the back of the uh, the case. Cameron does his own engraving. Super cool, very reasonable, and very fast because he, he again he does it in house himself. And uh, this is um, this is basically watch number zero of twenty. So this is the first thing off of the uh, off of the press, and I have to say I'm really impressed because I, as much as I really like the latte dial version of this exact same watch, very similar, different handset. You know, it's that hollowed out kind of uh, uh, handset. But otherwise, very similar presentation of the watch. You can tell that over time, the the quality of the finishing just continues to evolve, and there's little things that have been touched that feel like they've been just a little extra hand lapping and things like that. Cool watch. Um, I would like to break it down a little bit more, but I would like to do it when we have Cameron on. So I'm going to kind of leave it at that, except to say, hey, this is this is a bitch and watch, and thank you, Cameron Weiss, for this. And then in the glass. Um, I decided not to go, you know, too obvious, uh, you know, with the tequila, I was going to pour either the Ocho or the Fortaleza. I have both of those in Blanco, but instead I just went with the tried and true. This is a Four Roses Manhattan, got the, uh, the good cherries in there, made this one a little sweet. Um, you know, probably, I don't know if my teeth are going to hurt the way James Stacy said his do with a cocktail like this, but basically it's very nice for what is still basically a winter evening
0: you know, first of all, the Agave Dial Weiss is awesome. There was a number of people that were like, you guys are getting that, right? Like you have to, and you, we had been back channeling and and, and talking about it for a while. And I I knew you had designs on it. Um, I think I forgot that there was only 20, which is incredible by the way.
1: Yeah. I think um, the only thing I was a little bummed, you know, there were a few people who, when we sort of posted this you know, and we don't, it's not like a massive, you know, tens of thousands of people saw it, but, but quite a few people were like, Hey, where do I get that? Is that still available? You know, and Cameron had to jump into the, enter the chat, so to speak, and be like, no, those are, those were all sold pretty much immediately. Um, but I'll have to let you borrow this one and, and check it out. I, I, it's a small thing, but I'm always impressed with the quality of the strap that Cam pairs with these watches. This is a really, really high quality Hor- Horween leather that he gets done. And it's just, it's such a good, you know, selection to match, both with the color, you know, the stitching on it looks great. Even the execution on the buckle is perfect. It's, it's, the finishing is just great. So very, very happy with this watch. And, uh, Yeah. That's, that's a keeper. You know, I, I took the step, the liberty of, you know, getting it engraved. This is a, I don't know, an important thing in the hobby. A huge milestone is being on the pod with you. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's been something, you know, where we get to meet cool people and and do stuff with watches that we might not otherwise get to do. So anyhow, that's that's the new watch alert. And that's my drink.
0: Doesn't get any better than that. Really? Always read the case back.
1: I'm literally. I'm wearing that shirt. I don't think you. can I could couldn't see tell that, at
0: first. It was a little. It, it wasn't fully clear. I was assuming that you were, but I wanted you to
1: confirm it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm manifesting a uh, a return visit from Cole Pennington. What's up, Cole? Hope you're well. Um, but yeah, I've got the, the always read the case back uh, T-shirt from from Watch Thing. So, anyhow, man, there is a lot of stuff. I know we already sort of. Um, you you brought up the the new moon swatch thing, the moonshine gold. Um, what other stuff do you want to kind of talk about tonight?
0: Um, gosh, I mean, we have some, uh, I feel like we've been talking to some, some of our really fun, you know, spirit of time alums uh, jumped on an I, Instagram live an IG live about maybe two or three weeks ago with David Driscoll, um, who we did uh, an episode with a little while back basically sort of a booze, uh, kind of consultant, you know, retail, uh, uh, sort of, you know, extraordinaire, understands the industry. It's sort of inside out. Anyway, we had a lot of fun talking about the intersection. Me and him were kind of prepping for this and sort of the Venn diagram, right? Whiskey enthusiast, watch enthusiast, and which ones are in the middle. And, uh, and, and, And the preface for it was sort of, this uh, rye whiskey from Leopold Brothers, who I think are out of Denver, Colorado, and without going too far into, it, you should just go to David's page. It's uh, two nineteen. We'll link it. Uh, we've tagged it a few times, but two nineteen, and uh, you know, just talking about this this whiskey producer, spirits producer that went back and sort of rebuilt, sort of an you know old school way of making whiskey, and if the uptake was there from the whiskey community, you know, who oftentimes is also the watch community. And the romanticism placed on sort of a uh, you know old school techniques, which analog watches and mechanical watches certainly fall into that category. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, David's a, a riot to talk to, so I know you and I really enjoy spending time with him.
1: Yeah, I would love to record a live episode with David at some like great speakeasy downtown, or you know some tiki bar. There's a, a, a like a stalwart place in Glendale. I'd love to go to. I Actually, did catch a little bit of that. Um, that live thing that you did with him, and by some amazing coincidence, I popped into. I don't know if you've ever been to Howie's in San Marino, San Gabriel.
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay, so they have a pretty. It's It's kind of overpriced, but it's. Um, that's my prime butcher is in there, but that's also a. Uh, a really good spot for good booze. Again, a little overpriced, but the first thing I saw when I walked in there was. Pro Brothers and I'd never oh, seen that funny. before I had yeah. no awareness of that as a brand I was like I took a picture I was like dude is this your client like, <laughs> yeah that's them that's them that's it anyhow that's them. super cool
0: um so yeah um and uh yeah what, what else is what else is sort of percolated on your radar
1: well dude I don't know if this is um you know something that we planned to talk about but i, I couldn't help but notice that there was that video on Hodinky now when this drops in a week or so this is going to be slightly stale dated right but there was a uh, a guy that i recognized on the introduction to that and i was like holy crap that's greg <laughs> for this is the watches it's the watches in the wild sort of the the introduction piece to the first episode and I recognized the voice immediately and sure enough, there you were. So I know you had done a little something with them for that and weren't sure if it was going to make it past the cutting room. Um, so at least a minute of you did. So you're famous.
0: <laughs> that was funny. I, uh, we, we've talked about that a couple of times because you and me were lucky to get up, you know, up to Angeles Crest Highway um, to, to see uh, uh, James
1: and Cole. You know, we got this last minute. Sure. I think you need to get water and that's perfectly fine, dude. All right. So Greg, you're back from your water run. And I was saying that, yeah, we had, uh, I had seen that, that the first installment of that video and I was like super stoked to see you there.
0: Well, it's funny because you and I both met up there, which was a last minute invite. I think Nick actually from DC vintage watches might've sent something out to a small group and most, every, I mean, it was literally the night before, right? And so I think everybody, you know, the out of time, you know, crew and a few others were like, ah, oh, we can't get up there. And you and I were like, it's a little tight, but let's just shoot up there, right? Like, we want to say hi to those guys and, and just see what it's about. And um, so we, we shot up there. We literally didn't even barely see each other. We talked about it on an episode. I think I parked you or I got you out of the parking lot because <laughs> it was kind That's, it was yeah, that's busy.
1: exactly right. Yeah, that yeah. was going to be a little nuts. And yeah, I'd gotten up there about 15 minutes maybe prior to you and, and spent a few minutes chatting with the fellas before they started, you know, taking any kind of video or, or doing anything serious. And then I had to go.
0: Yeah, you had to get back down the hill. And uh, and I couldn't stay long either because I actually had something to do as well. So but I was like determined just to hang out for just a minute. And so they started shooting and uh, and Cole just grabbed me. Cause I just was saying hi to him and he's like, Oh, we're just going to start. Like, can you say a few things? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Let's have fun with it. And so we shot, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds, even maybe 60 seconds. And and that was it. And then, you know, Cole and, and James are telling us about their, you know, where they're headed. I think they're heading up North and then sort of this four corners things of the States. And, and so now we're seeing the final product. And it's funny because I tagged uh, we we posted something sort of a recap of it because it just sort of, entered my mind space and so i finally posted some photos from that day and uh and cole was like oh that was so much fun and and then when we had james on offline we were like hey do you know anything about that project you guys are on he's like no i mean you know they're just you know they'll they'll i'll know when you know probably and lo and behold not just what two weeks later they they dropped the you know a, a premiere sort of uh uh, invitation for folks in new york and then and then today today as of the recording they dropped the the first episode so i pressed play right i, I think I, t- I texted you guys and i was like oh we'll see if i made it on there or not right and i pressed play and a minute and a minute and a half in i'm like uh, oh, that's my voice
1: <laughs> well dude you got me beat i think uh my biggest claim to fame on that platform is at one point i was at one of these get-togethers where somebody captured an image of a crowd of people and you get the back of my head but as far as the back of my head is concerned, nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. <laughs> so I'm excited to see
0: the rest of that. I mean that that program or whatever they want to call it that sort of uh, uh, you know mode mode of, of of content that they've been producing for I guess this is what they're calling season three. It's awesome. It's it's really good. I mean, Cole was literally traveling all over the world in the first one or two seasons, and and uh, just hearing what their itinerary was when they were running around here. Um, sounded like a lot of fun. I want to say the first episode focuses on the Northeast and um, sounds like they spent some time at RGM in Lancaster, which has sort of looks, uh, been I something
1: th- I want to do. That's, to- that's going to be the the second one, or at least that's kind of what they oh, okay. teased. I mean, it, it could it. be, maybe it's something else, but by I certainly got the impression that it's going to be with Roland Murphy. Do you Did you watch the episode?
0: I only got a few minutes in and it, it, I think it was 34 minutes, the first episode. I, I figured yeah. I would get to it tonight probably.
1: Yeah, it's it's a chunk. I encourage you to watch it. And if you don't mind, I'm gonna kind of riff on something and take us down a, a little bit of a you know a cul-de-sac here, but it's something that's related. Um, several weeks ago, I was sent a copy of a book. This this book is called Disrupting Time. The author is Aaron Stark, and I get the impression that um Aaron is an academic, and I wanna say he's got some some association with both uh, Harvard and West Point I think he was a uh, an officer in the u s Army a professor I believe of economics um, talked to a little bit offline and he sent this this book so I've been reading this and you know full disclosure I haven't gotten to the end, but I'm about three quarters of the way through it and it is really really topical considering see you've got a little boy that talks and I've got a UH sixty that's going to pass about a hundred feet over my house in a second, so you may or may not hear that. But I'm just gonna pretend like it's nothing and keep talking. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, Black Hawk vibes. But anyway, sorry, you want to say something? I can tell. Go for oh, it.
0: How about the F-18 flyover the other day for the Oscars?
1: So I didn't see it, but I, well, I mean, I saw the jets. They were they were in a holding pattern. I think probably on the the. The easternmost limit of their turn was directly over my house, and I think they probably, you know, had at least part of their orbit over where you live. I think we were texting back and forth. Like I can hear them. We had low, low weather, and so very low visibility. But but I could hear the. It was a a section of two fighters, just flying around for probably about three hours. You know, waiting to make their pass. So they probably had to go t- hit a tanker someplace and then come back. Anyway, this book, um, Disrupting Time. Industrial espionage. I'm sorry, industrial combat espionage, and the downfall of a great American company. So, spoiler alert: the, the majority of the this first episode with uh, uh, Hodinkee's watches in the wild, you know, in in kind of this American fabric of, you know, the uh, horology world you know, going back to the 1800s, a lot of it centers around a number of big companies that you would recognize that are but that are defunct. Now, you know, these are, are huge powerhouses. Waltham is the subject of the, this book. And it essentially talks about how, you know, some of these American players were well known to the Swiss who were still essentially doing things, you know, the old way. And when the Americans began to industrialize, they could maintain the very high quality but do it at scale and at reduced cost. And the Swiss were, you know, fascinated, but but very threatened. And, you know, the, basically the premise of the book is that they, the Swiss sent a a delegation to come to the United States and to investigate, find out what's going on. Um, it's, it's a little bit cloak and dagger-ish. Um, it's also, it is a little bit academic. So the read is you know, not like a, you know, a work of fiction. I think this would actually make a really interesting fictionalized history. Um, So I'd like to actually have the author on to have Aaron Stark on to talk about this. I gather that this is a full length, you know, book that was um, built off of what I gather was a, an HBS paper. And the paper is out there. I know you can, I think you can buy it and download from Harvard Business School Press about nine bucks, but um, the book is fascinating and it does, you know, very much talk about the the Swiss efforts to learn as much as they can. And frankly, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but to kind of steal as much of the, you know, the technical know-how and intellectual property, if you wanted to call it that, not not in legal terms, but you know, the the trade secrets, the information, whatever they would need to do and take it back to Switzerland and the rest is literally history.
0: So do you think, do you think this, uh, would ruffle a few feathers?
1: I think it might. I mean, it doesn't seem like, well, and again, to go back to, uh, this piece on a Hodinkee that came out today, again, we'll, we'll probably drop this episode in a week or so. So, you know, it'll be slightly dated by them, but this first installment of this Hodinkee thing talks about, you know, the greatness of American watchmaking, you know, circa, you know, the second half of say the 1800s. And it, alludes to the fact that, well, clearly, you know, that, that powerhouse enterprise doesn't exist here. And, you know, the Swiss basically took over, assumed that position, but it doesn't explore anything about how we get from A to B, you know, and what, uh, what was done. I absolutely like do not vouch for the scholarship in the book, but I mean, it, it seems pretty legit and, you know, it's, it's an interesting story. I think, um, if, if it was told in like the really sort of clinical way then yeah i think i think it upsets a few marketing stories and you know it it casts i i would think the industry as a whole in a slightly different light i mean it is what it is and you know i i don't think industrialization would not have happened in switzerland either way but you know who who knows you know the extent to which, uh, you know, they they genuinely were helped by, you know, coming over and and peeking over the fence.
0: Well, I hope you let me um, <clears throat> borrow that for a read when you're when you're all wrapped up, so I can uh, check it out as well. And I'm going to make it a mission of mine over the summer to get out to the National Watch and Clock Museum in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Um, try to coordinate a few years ago while I was back that way, uh, and it just was too last minute; couldn't come together. So, um,
1: you know, to put a fine point
0: on sort of, you know, American watch and clock making, I'm going to make that a a priority for, uh, for this summer.
1: No, that's a great idea. I mean, that's, there's a lot, I think, of material that you could, you could dig up to, you know, make either make stories about or content about if you're a content creator and you know in air quotes that's not exactly what we are but i mean there's a, a huge history and over at various points in my life you know being interested in watches the pocket watch thing has been so fascinating and the the artistry you know the execution on these things some of the technology for the time they're just beautiful objects and but for their relative impracticality i would definitely have some you know and it's <laughs> at, i think at some point i probably will i i go through these periods of being interested in these things.
0: Well, we talked about that recently with, uh, I think Mike Stockton and of course, Chase, Chase brought out a, basically a Vacheron, um, uh, a pocket watch when we were dinner or doing our, our dials episode. And of course I tied into enamel, but it was also just really cool to see. But i talked with, uh, with a few folks, like you said, the impracticality of the actual use case of owning pocket watches, uh, presents challenges, but in terms of collectability, um, access point for maybe being able to collect, you know, sort of really, uh, you know, grand complicated things or just really fascinating things in terms of relative to their price point, that would be in a wristwatch is really cool. Um, I think I shared, I think I shared on the episode, if not definitely sort of on my page or whatever, but recently my dad gave me a number of pocket watches. i re- I found out that he collected pocket watches when he was in his twenties, had no idea, um, about it. And I still don't understand why he just thought they were cool. So I've been, you know, kind of taking those in. So I think they're super cool. Um, and, but you, like you said, the American watchmaking and clockmaking angle of it is very interesting. And, um, you know, people like Cameron are sort of trying to take that torch now, you know, um, but it's a, a very cool thing. So this book sounds really fascinating. And if you ruffle a couple marketing guys, uh, <laughs> pitch decks, eh, that's not the worst thing in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, life goes on, man. The, uh, I think the Rolexes and Omegas of the world probably are not going to be, uh, uh, too upset. So whatever. Yeah, I don't think so. Hey man, do you want to talk about something? I feel like we've had sort of brewing and I don't want to put you on blast because we, we said we would talk a little bit about this, but then didn't really expand on it. But you spent a little bit more time with it, took a lot more pictures of it than me, but I was certainly impressed with that Norcane GMT that was lent into us. Is that something you uh, you want to chat about?
0: Yeah, I do actually. So this is the Freedom GMT, um, and we were we were lucky enough to to get this uh, in our hands thanks to to Catelyn. Shout out Catelyn. Um, and we both spent time with it. You were particularly we we chose so we have the opaline um, dial, which is the white dial variant with the sort of uh, uh, blue and red uh, Pepsi esque inner GMT ring. You were particularly keen on getting this one in, and I think you had a reason for that.
1: Yeah. Well, having seen that one, so you know I have a fondness for anything GMT. Um, on paper, the size looks good, and I kind of like stuff that's a white dial. And I love the fact that it's a white dial but still incorporates some, some Pepsi. But when I first looked at that thing, I was like, eh, I don't know, man. Design-wise, I think that might be a little bit of a soup sandwich. It might be one of those things that looks good on paper. And, you know, I just didn't know if I would like it. And so of all the things that were out there, because some of the other watches that they have are really intriguing. I was like, you know what, I want to ask for the one that I think I'm least likely to like, the one that was going to be most problematic for me. And when we got it, I was, I was blown away by how wrong I was. I, i That as a, of an object of value, I don't know how to, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you hold that watch, that does not feel like, uh, you know, an, an article of, you know, dubious quality. I mean, it is, it is manifestly a good watch and it, it feels so good on wrist. I really, really like that watch a lot. So cool.
0: So this is on this like sort of, um, it's almost got like a fabric pattern. It's essentially like a rubber strap, um, but it's got sort of it almost looks like it's a, like a braided or kind of a crosshatch. It's made to look like fabric. So it's on a rubber strap, and this thing definitely has heft. I'm curious to what how how much it weighs, just the head. Uh, but to your point, it's not heavy in in so much as um, top heavy and sort of you know flying around. It just feels very very quality.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one of those things it's it's really hard to articulate what it is about it. It I think you know one thing sort of negative that I guess I would say about it at the impression that I had is that on paper that thing is what like 40.5. Yeah, and that's correct. Visually because it doesn't really have a conventional um bezel it does look bigger. You know, the fact that it's a lighter colored dial there's a little bit of kind of uh you know, iridescence to the dial, it, it just, it wears a little bit bigger and it is a little bit of a, you know, chunky boy thickness wise that never bothers me really. I mean, as long as the proportions are decent and it's not like a slab sided thing, um, you know, something like not to pick on them, but like a, a Tudor black Bay 41, you know, where you could like jump off the side of that watch and, you know, do yourself in, uh, because it's so high. This thing is nicely, you know, kind of rounded. The different case elements work together. The crystal is well rounded. It's a a fairly tall crystal, right? But everything
0: kind of a box style crystal.
1: Yeah, everything works well together. And as you say, even the the strap is exceptionally high quality. I mean, it's it's um, it's basically like Tropic to the next level.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. So I'm looking at the specs right now. They have it listed at 40, 14 and a half thick, 49.2 lug to lug. So, I mean, you've got, got, you know, you can, I think everybody can sort of understand what that looks like. Um, One interesting point, I think too, was you were curious about how the handset was going to be legible against this Opaline dial, which is sort of like not a stark white, this sort of, there's a creaminess to it. It's yeah. not cream, it's not acrue, it's white, but the, if you, it, it, they used opaline to describe it. It's not made of opaline glass, but it's sort of- You know what, it, it's,
1: it's the, the, whatever they call it in marketing speak, but it's the pearl white paint job on yeah. Lexus sedans.
0: That's right. I had an Infiniti, it was basically the same thing too. It's like that yeah.
1: pearl white. Yeah, exactly. Um, so,
0: so the handset is, it's got an interesting polish to it. It's obviously not black polished, but at certain angles, the polishing on it gives it sort of a black polish look. And so at certain angles, it's very high contrast. And then when you get it at a normal angle, you have a sort of normal finish on on the on the on the steel hands. Um but the polishing I think helped address some of the concerns that you had in terms of legibility in the handset. In my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was another one of the things that I was going to be concerned about because sometimes as you know, you know I'm a stickler for that, the lack of contrast and maybe it's just I don't know if it's OCD thing or frankly, it's just that I'm kind of getting old and my eyesight isn't that great in out in brunt, bright sunshine. And oftentimes I'm, I'm not working in an office, so I'm out and about. I need that contrast to be able to read the watch without getting annoyed. And I was worried that this wouldn't have it, but it does. Uh, it works very well. I think the only thing, and I don't know how they would do it as a design thing, as a design element would be to maybe better incorporate like the tip of the handset with that inner track, the GMT hour track, which is really well executed, but it's, uh, there's a little bit of a lack of different, or what's the word? Yeah. Like the differentiation visually, the, the end of that hour hand seems to kind of just meld into there, but it's not a legibility thing. It's just more like, I personally want to see it stand out a little more you know who cares that's just a, a a personal like perversion of my you know watch affinity or whatever i really at the end of the day i really came away liking the watch it's one of those things where you know i would enjoy owning that watch that's that's basically what i would come down to you know yeah. i i prefer a a spinny bezel of some kind but anything gmt um that's well constructed like that that has that kind of wrist presence especially something that's just different visually. That's a winner and that watch is a winner. Super cool.
0: Yeah, no, I've posted it a few times. I've got, a, like you said, a full set of photos and hopefully we can put something together for the Spirit of Time website. But um, even the strap, like you said, is super quality. A few people were like, oh, what strap is that? That's the, that's the Norkine OEM strap. It's really good. Really, really good. And when you put this thing on the wrist, I mean, it feels secure on your wrist. It feels like you said, it has presence in a good way and it feels like it's on your wrist it's not going anywhere you know this thing's ready this thing's ready to get out there and do stuff you know
1: yeah totally i um i'm a sucker for like i said anything like that that kind of color i'm it would be on a short list of mine and i'm happy to say that i was wrong about thinking i was not going to like it you know i wanted to get the thing that was i was the most skeptical about
0: and you know, in some ways that's been a, a hallmark of, of some of the things that we've reached out and been able to experience, right? Is like, hey, let's instead of grabbing the, you know, the one or two things that everybody's talking about, or there's been, you know, 15 or 20 reviews or hands-on, let's get the one on the other side of the catalog that maybe not everybody's talking about, or or hey, let's let's challenge ourselves and let's get something in that maybe we're not sure about and find out if it changes our minds. And so I, I kind of appreciate that approach to trying new things that we have. And getting them in our hands too, rather than just always, you know, responding to renderings or you know a series of photos, it just helps. I think illuminate the conversation in, a, in an interesting way, and we come at it from a perspective that sort of challenges maybe the the conventions.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Why why review or why ask to have in or have a look at this same thing that everybody else does? You know, it's. If if we're given fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to see something, let's do something a little different. So thank you, Catelyn. We appreciate it.
0: More to come on that, hopefully, because um, like you said, I think we both stepped away pretty impressed with with Norcane. So they've been doing some awesome stuff. They've actually been doing, they've been on a roll. They've been doing a lot of stuff lately.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see that sort of the Beaverization of. Um, you know, maybe some of their design language or, or how they execute some things. <laughs> did you just and make I that mean, up right now? I I did. At least I think I did. If if somebody else has that, yeah. If you want to claim credit or or slap me with a cease and desist, but yeah, I um that I mean that guy clearly is a god. <laughs> uh, you know, one way or another, he knows a lot about the business and about what appeals to people. I think the one thing that would be great with Norcane is a relatively small, relatively new brand. Is if they somehow made their principles, meaning their the, the personalities behind the brand, a little more visible, you know, because they're the sort of the curse, the blessing and the curse of a new brand is there's no story, and like it or not, as much as people want to turn their nose up about stuff like that, if you're into watches, chances are the story, the romanticism, um, the the history of these brands. It's important. I mean, it's an intangible, but it's important. And you know, with the smaller brands, the more accessible the personalities are, I think the more likely people are to be be interested in in trying out these watches.
0: You know, it's interesting. I agree with you. And it's interesting. I was immediately in my head. I thought, wow. You know, I really want to see the wild one. Like those are those are some really fascinating looking watches in terms of their colorways, but also obviously their their tech. It would be so fascinating now to have seen sort of the, the, the heft and presence and the sort of like build quality that, that you get holding this Freedom GMT and what it would look like, what it, the experience would be like with these wild ones, which I mean, the, the, the materials are completely different. Um, the design language is there, of course. It still feels like a Norkane through and through. But uh, anyway, they're all out of stock online, which is interesting.
1: Well, hey, I have to ask, this is a complete, I mean, it's still about the Norkane, but it's a minor digression. What do you think about the side plate? As a design element.
0: You know what? Um, I think so. I have a, a couple feelings on it. One, I'm not a huge fan of kind of going on the case. I know you love your blanc Pons. I'm not a huge fan of what BlancPond does on the case on the case sites. This this works in a way that I wouldn't have expected it to. And I did have a chance to meet Emmanuel, who I believe is the principal or the managing director of North America and I saw one of his personalized plates. And I—that that is pretty damn cool. Um, looking at the case back, there's not a lot of area to do something on this one if you wanted to. I'm having the same problem with my Railmaster. I want to do something, speaking of case engravings, right? I want to do something on my Railmaster. There's just not a lot of real estate. And so that gives you the opportunity. And as I understand it, I do believe it's removable. So I think if I remember, you can. I think you might get the blank, the regular one, as well as a customized one if you do order it. But I, I, either way, I think you could take it off and and, and and you know, if you break up with somebody or or, or change your, <laughs> your left direction, you're not stuck with it on your case on your case blank.
1: No regrets.
0: <laughs> no regrets.
1: Well, so I like the side plate thing. I mean, I know, I know that that gets a lot of. Uh a lot of people's hackles up, but I dig it. I think it's really cool. And I think it looks good. They, they did a good job executing it. It it looks like it belongs. Yeah. And yeah. And that would be fun. And this is this, the, the watch that I'm wearing right now, the spirit of time, you know, Weiss Agave dial is the first and only thing I've ever had engraved. And now, you know, having done that, I suppose it's like a tattoo. Now I, I need more.
0: That's a good point, actually. Uh, Shout out GMT Chrono Dive Curtis. He just uh, got engraved on, uh, he welcomed a a baby not that long ago. And part of- Congratulations, man. Yeah. Big shout out. He has a Black Bay Pro that he also just acquired and he had a very beautiful um, case engraving on that. So him and I were talking engravings the other day because I had something done on my great grandpa's Hamilton um, which I I like. I think it could have turned out a different way, um,
1: but it still accomplished I've, what I wanted to. I've seen it. I know why you don't like it. I sort of agree because visually it's like, it's not what you think it's going to look like, but I think if they did it the way you'd want it with yeah. like center, center justified text, it wouldn't read properly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cause it, right. It was like, it was like a comment and there wasn't enough copy yeah. to make it several yeah i agree it was sort of an awkward phrasing
1: they, they had
0: to do it yeah
1: yeah if, if looking at it cuz i think what you would want you know in your own head is to look at it and hear the the quote in your head yeah right i mean you have the inner monologue with probably the great grandfather's voice and you want to hear that and when you look at it and it's not and it's written in such a way that you you don't See it in a way that you would hear it, it's completely eh. so I know what you mean um but at the end of the day, I think it it looks really cool.
0: yeah, no, I appreciate it, but you know so I, I'm always now I'm now thinking about the next one because I'm gonna do something for for the what for the Omegaville, which uh well, eventually i'll I'll give to my daughter and and then as I'm thinking about what i'm gonna how I would do something on the Railmaster, there's just not a lot of real estate there, but it is a fun i'm I'm sort of very deep into that right now. I think it's a very cool and fun thing.
1: Yeah, your your kids are that age where when you know they're not bugging you for water on the podcast. You're like, "Um, what watch can I get for you?"
0: <laughs> nothing. You get nothing. You ask me for one more glass of water, you get zilch.
1: <laughs> Greg, I got to go potty. Let's take a break. No, <laughs> Matt, anyway. you can
0: take yourself. I'm not taking you.
1: <laughs> I got an empty glass right here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a podcaster uh, 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 hacking right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Right on, man. Well, yeah. So I guess uh, to put a bow on that, thank you very much to Catelyn for lending this that that in. Um, we'll, we'll probably bug you for another, but uh, I would be super, super happy to own that. And that went from being sort of like, in my mind, the ugly stepchild to like, oh, that's the one you got to have. That's so, so cool. Did you see the picture I took of that watch with the Swiss army knife and the Toblerone?
0: Oh, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was a yeah. good shot by the way. That was
1: a really nice shot. Yeah, it's, hey, uh, I don't remember if I did that with the new Fuji or not. I think I did. But I yeah, mean, that was your, that was a your good picture. Sh-
0: your, your new rig is pretty nice, by the way.
1: You know what? All of the, I everything, every piece of that is second hand too. Shout out yeah. Sammy's camera here in Los Angeles. Um yeah, all of that is uh is pre-owned and um is as much of an amateur as I am, I mean, it makes my my skills look good, but I know how to shoot with a, you know, with wet film camera. And that's really what is the genius of the the Fuji setup, right? You know, you can, you can push things up or down using a manual control and you don't have to go into like a menu, then a sub menu, then, you know, select a, a toggle and spend like three or four minutes and then see what it looks like. You just, you look through the viewfinder, you, you know, push up the ISO or, you know, increase the shutter speed or decrease the shutter speed. And you see it in real time, what, what the image is going to look like. Um, I'm glad
0: you're enjoying that. Actually, it's uh, and the photos have been, have been spectacular. Hey, talking, speaking about speed, did, uh, did you, did you want to recap any of the Bahrain reactions or thoughts on, on the race?
1: Oh, dude. Well, I mean, I think, you know, at the front end of the field, it was extremely boring, um, And, you know, kind of as predicted, right? I think Spence shouted out, uh, you know, Max and Red Bull to run it back. I think that's, that was kind of his quote. If not, um, that's probably a pretty close paraphrase. And I think that was probably pretty safe bet, but I'd hoped that Mercedes would do a little better, uh, on the other hand, though, uh, Fernando Alonso, man, uh, that uh, that Aston Martin car looks pretty good. I know there's a lot of hurt feelings um, from Red Bull. And I, about two or three years ago, I don't know if you remember, but there was hurt feelings because people thought it looked like the Mercedes car, which was winning all the time. And now it looks like a Red Bull car. Uh, I don't care. Anything to make you know, the racing better. And I would love to see Fernando is kind of the fox in among the head. The, what is the, what's the expression? The fox in the hen house among mm-hmm. the pigeons, the cat among the pigeons. Um, you know, the first two or three spots are probably going to be largely, you know, from those three teams. But what the story of this year is probably going to be the way it was back when Lewis was dominant, which was who's going to be number four. The fourth place team is is crazy in terms of how it's coveted because it is the sort of the best of the rest. The top three kind of sort themselves out fairly quickly as the top three, you know, one, two, and three, maybe in, in, you know, there's some question at at various points in the season, but there's so much money riding on number four versus number five, you know, number five on down there's, you know, significantly less, but number four is just so much more braggable and bankable a result. And if, uh, if Aston Martin can be number four this year or number three, that, that would be pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, that'd be huge. I agree with you. I think, you know, the Alonzo aspect of, uh, of that race was probably was easily the most exciting and also just the most fun, fun, quite frankly. And, um, so that was a lot of, that was really cool to watch uh river the my four year old has decided he's a george russell fan um so that's interesting and my seven year old my daughter has decided that she likes alpine, which i guess in some ways is is maybe not surprising as well right She's a bright colored car so we've already started to hash out you know who's who's rooting for who around here
1: yeah, I thought it was interesting how much um all four of us on that the f one episode we did with james and mike uh like signs and signs would be my emotional favorite to win. I would be like, okay, you know, I'm I am a Lewis guy from way back, but uh, I would love to see signs hit it, that would be fantastic, or just to see him win some more races this year.
0: Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be great, I think. And uh, we'll see, you know, it's, it's a long season in some ways, right? So, um, if you thought back, I guess, to the first few races of, of 2022, you know, I don't think you could have quite forecast it. I mean, you probably could have guessed, maybe you made some educated guesses, but based off of the results from 21 and then how the first few races of 22, the rest of the season looked very different by, you know, the middle to the end. So it will be fun.
1: Yeah. Things can happen. I mean, it's going to be interesting too this year. I don't have the data in front of me. I didn't know we were going to talk about this like this, so I didn't look it up. But I, I want to say that, you know, I think this is the third year in a row that China is not going to be a featured venue and that makes sense for a variety of reasons right um so if they're not i think it leaves a gap in the schedule that's nearly a month long so it's almost like having you know the mid-season break at the mid-season but also at the very beginning and i'm interested if they're they could implement like a quicker implementation of the um the follow-on Like development mods, the upgrades, the updates, the things that they do at a couple points during the season, usually two or three points during the season, the different teams have programmed, like pre planned, you know, mods and updates that they do to the package. This might allow some of these teams to implement stuff quicker, you know, because they're not, uh, maybe there's going to be a longer window between travel. Or maybe not. You know who knows? I think you know FIA made the decision to to skip China, or China made the decision maybe to you know to to back out. However, that works, but it leaves a gap, and we'll see what what happens and how they fill that time. You know, it's not like in the old days when you know the rich teams could just go testing. Yeah, and, you know they're they're not doing that anymore. Even you know so if the the time doesn't help them necessarily that way, but we'll see. Hopefully, it'll mix things up.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we tuned in for, uh, for, for Bahrain and I think, uh, we'll make it a regular habit moving forward. We talked about it on the episode, sort of an interesting test case as a sort of drive to survive, strive to survive convert, you know, or, or sort of, uh, acquisition and, um, last year caught a few races, but not too, too many. So,
1: um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Well, dude, I don't know if you'd ever want to pony up the eighty bucks and just buy F1 TV for the year. It's an annual subscription. It's not inexpensive, but you get a lot of content. And I think the idea is you can watch stuff on demand at that point. Once once the races air, regardless of you know what sort of geographical area you're in, you can access these things. Um, I've started watching it, and I find that I still end up kind of gravitating to watching the race on Sky. So you know that's our you know our broadcast option via ESPN but there's still a lot of stuff to see
0: yeah you know i've gotten used to being a a, a fan of sports not living in the time zone of the teams i follow i've <laughs> they always say it's funny you know sports is sort of like the the last dvr proof you know programming i mean you really sort of have to watch it live but i've i still carved you know a path for myself to be able to watch certain things off hours just based on when they air and when i'm available and when the kids will allow me to to watch things so <laughs> on demand is is a very high priority in my life
1: oh yeah you have to be able to hit pause and and walk away from it for 10 or 15 20 minutes at a time yeah. hey so speaking of uh of drive to survive though and like the idea of you know how it is essentially you know cultivating a, a much larger fan base in north america especially in the united states you recommended or you mentioned um breakpoint so uh, just on a on a lark i started watching that and man is that addictive like I've, i'm all up in it right now <laughs> like oh that's so cool i didn't that's realize amazing. how how interesting it, tennis is
0: yeah and it was so funny because i think james said it on on the Great NATO. he's like he, he I guess he thought we were joking or I was joking because I was like there, there is something for tennis like i I hadn't even seen it though you know I was just sort of like oh I was aware of it so it was just really funny how that all came together and how now you've been watching it I still haven't seen it it's on my list um and I want to Oh
1: dude it was it's cool it's a good recommendation. you should watch your own recommendation once in a while man it's it's pretty cool it is Welcome it is place. exactly the same format. Here's a bonus form.
0: one for you. Full Swing is the golf version, and it's the same people, and it's the same concept, but on golf.
1: <laughs> Dude, when it when it gets to curling, we'll know they've jumped the shark. Fonzie's putting on his water skis.
0: No, I think I know what it is. Pickleball. Do you realize how popular <laughs> Pickleball has gotten? I'm dead
1: serious. Pickleball is... Uh... <laughs> I I am not even going to say it. I am not even going to say it. Dude, yeah. d-
0: okay. So first of all, uh, the courts by us uh, just up the street. There's like a very active pickleball community. Okay, so let's back up. Pickleball is sort of like this indoor or outdoor, but a lot of people are playing <laughs> are playing outdoor. It's a paddle sport, right? Like so, it's kind of like tennis, but the, it's not the same speed. The balls different. The rackets are different. So it's it's you You don't have it to. Strikes be me almost as, as like.
1: It's almost like squash, but on a tennis court
0: ish. Yes, and I would say maybe even a little lower speed,
1: perhaps. Well, oh yeah, because squash is intense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but so and I saw an infographic today. I'm not kidding you. It was like the rise of of sports over the last like several decades, and like you know, baseball's sort of down a little bit, but sort of steady. Basketball is basically like one of the most popular sports in the country now. So much participation. Soccer is rising. Pickleball, boom through the roof, and tennis for that matter. But there's also professional pickleball leagues and all these people are investing in it. Sorry, pickleball was big on my on my content today.
1: <laughs> professional, you know what? We're going to have to start like the, the World League of Cornhole. <laughs> oh, sh- man, that's perfect. No, th- no, there is, f- forget it. There is such a thing. It's been done. I mean, right. it's on TV. Cornhole is on TV, bro.
0: We'll circle back to that. This is good. This is really good. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't even is... our recommendations portion of the show yet, folks. So
1: no, yeah, it, uh, top ten signs the apocalypse is upon us.
0: <laughs> I definitely didn't have in the show notes to talk about pickleball or
1: cornhole. Um, Do when you said on the podcast of, with Chase, you know, or maybe we weren't even recording, but you did the Ned Flanders drop of like nothing at all, <laughs> nothing at all. You know, <laughs> so I told my wife about that. She that was primo reference, by the way. I try. Uh,
0: I try. And it, it, the crowd needs, you know, the audience needs to know. You got to be, you know, in tune with the audience.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, that's um there's a a, a Simpsons episode where I think Homer is watching something and he's interrupted, but in the background, like you, you catch the, the, the audio voiceover for what he's what he is watching on television. And it's the world series of cockfighting. (laughs) 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 Longest running, (laughs) longest running,
0: uh, uh, comedy of all time, longest running show of all time, perhaps.
1: I'm I'm worried about the principal voice actors, like you know the health, the age. I remember watching that. So a couple of buddies of mine in, in high school, we were into the Matt Groening's comics. Like we had the the print books. I don't know. This might be before your time, but they used to actually have comics in the form of like, you know, they were imprinted on paper, and you you look at them in a book, and. You know, Matt Groening had a number of these different, uh, uh, like, small series and things that he had done that eventually turned into The Simpsons. And the first one, the pilot, was a Christmas episode that aired in 1989. And I knew what it was going to be, you know, because I'd been following it for a few years in high school as a kid. And I'm at my in my dorm room on my little like 13 inch black and white TV at Arizona State you know tuning into this thing going this is going to be great and you know whatever 30 years it is, later you no know, 30 yeah 34 or 5 years or whatever um still very fun although i i maintain that the first 10 years were the best
0: yeah Yeah. that's full stop that's just a matter of fact
1: rest in peace phil hartman yeah i'm Lionel hutz a lot of a lot of uh,
0: saturday night live good mix of uh you know tragic stories and and uh, amazing talent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You could. There's Saturday Night Live is probably an, a bottomless well of like documentary fodder.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen a good. I bet you there's got to be a documentary about Saturday Night Live out there. There's, well, I don't know. Lauren Michaels is pretty tight lipped, right? I don't know if he would let somebody really get into it
1: yeah i'd I'd have a hard time believing he'd let anybody have front end access yeah you know again the way they do with like drive to survivor or the sports stuff, so anyhow man, I think uh you know in terms of the watch stuff you know we've we talked a little bit about the uh the moonswatch there's some other stuff coming i mean this is sort of we can call this kind of the pre march madness and not the basketball kind, but you know the uh all the watch releases that are probably gonna start coming here in the next few weeks um I have no predictions because I don't care to make predictions. Literally everybody else has done that. Um I would my only thing that I would want would be a Coke Rolex that I could buy, but that's never gonna happen, so who cares?
0: <laughs> that sums up that sums up the spirit at times. <laughs> Watches a wonders preview show. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> now give me another drink. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, anyhow, long, I, I was about to ask you, you know, do you have any kind of recommendations or anything you want to kind of segue into?
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got two recommendations. I've got a full recommendation and a conditional recommendation. My full recommendation, uh, Rothwell, Rothwell, San Francisco, uh, Rothwell is like a watch box, uh, watch, uh, accessory, watch, uh, uh, pouch, Basically one of the brands doing watch boxes and watch kind of carry accessories. Uh, I just recently a little while back got the 10 watch box with a, a tray. Um, I think I posted like a reel about it just so people can kind of see. I don't think I think I saw actually a lot of people commenting on like watch you Seek and actually in the forums saying they really appreciated the quality, the value. Um, it's a plus uh, really nice watch box, uh, nice quality, um, good build, lots of storage looks good. They have some kind of fun colors like a blue and a green. I just went black. Uh, The bedroom doesn't really scream for other loud colors. So it's black with the gray microfiber pillows, gray interior. Um, And I give it a full recommendation. So uh, like those guys uh, and uh, full transparency, I bought it and uh, just appreciate, you know, finding a new brand that people may or may not have heard of. And my conditional recommendation, I just got them. So I'm breaking them in and I have not put them on the trail yet, but so far I have got uh, the Solomon Outpulse mid Gore-Tex on my feet. Uh, I was looking for a good hiking boot slash shoe. I wanted a real true hybrid. So I didn't want the straight up like super lightweight sneaker. I didn't want a big, heavy sort of pack-in multi-day boot. I wanted something that was really strictly in the middle. I think I found them. Um, and these are, they look sneaker ish. They look like sort of a trail running shoe, their mids. Um, but they have a real heavy grip on the bottom, uh, full go- Gore-Tex treatment, um, nice toe cap. So, uh, I'm looking forward to them. I'm pretty, uh, pretty pleased so far with them, but again, I'm just breaking them in having haven't had them on the trail. So I'll circle back and either give them the thumbs up or the thumbs down. I give them a conditional recommendation at the moment.
1: Well dude that's cool uh, although did you I'm assuming you bought those someplace they weren't you know no. lent No Solomon, Solomon
0: is not supporting our podcast yet at the moment um <laughs> we uh we haven't quite reached that plateau now I bought these um I was looking what was I looking at I was looking at mostly Solomon's um Alstra Alt, uh what else was I looking at um Mostly Solomon's. I think they kinda of fit what I was looking for. I didn't want I was looking for something that had a little bit of sort of the sneaker look, but I needed a full Gore-Tex. People will probably laugh, you know, well, not really. We've been getting a ton of, of of wet weather recently, but even in the summer, most of the trails that I go to, uh, admittedly with the kids, there's a lot of like, you know, you're crossing, you know, small brooks, streams. Inevitably the little guy falls in, I gotta pull him out. So I just wanted something with kind of full Gore-Tex coverage, but that was easy and nimble. I didn't need anything hardcore. So this sort of fit the
1: the bill. Oh, right on. Well, you need to like, let me know when you're looking for stuff like that. You know, my, uh, my oldest daughter works at REI.
0: Yeah, actually I, I think they were available at REI too. I didn't get them there. I should have went over actually to at least try them on there first.
1: Yeah. Next time. Next time. Let me see if I can save you a few bucks.
0: Yeah, man. So what's your recommendation for the week?
1: So I have something. This is um I have not gotten to the end of this thing because it's uh for a YouTube video, it is quite long. I mean, it's well north of an hour. I think it's probably about an hour and 15 minutes or so, and it's called Eleven. Now it's spelled out eleven, like the word, not one one, but it's uh it is a a documentary sort of. It doesn't come across, it's more like a series of vignettes that keep looping back to different people. And it is uh it's a bunch of old fellas from carrier and you know, it doesn't say this you have to kind of know about this um but I'm a geek and I know about this uh <laughs> these are these are guys that are presumably from and it's actually at the front end of this part of me does scratch my head I'm like how could you not bring you know mention this piece of it but I think somebody's assuming too much of his audience but the uh it's it's basically a documentary talking about the experiences of a bunch of these young airmen from carrier air wing 11. So these are naval aviators, but from all sort of all walks of life and in all sort of job descriptions, you know, in air quotes in the air wing. So some of these guys are pilots. Uh, some of them are maintenance guys. Some of them are, you know, the, uh, uh, radio operators, which are air crew, you know, back then, um, you know, navigators, gunners, things like that and this is essentially World War 2 carrier air wing um carrier air wing 11 was i i believe and again i don't think it's has said this but i think that was uh deployed kind of middle to the end of the war on hornet and I'm just doing that from memory. I don't know if that's actually true. So I could be wrong. But it's uh it's just a series of interviews with these, you know, these old fellas and kind of capturing their stories, you know, before they are uh not with us anymore. And, you know, for somebody like me who's interested in anything related to aviation and history and you know, the the technology piece of why we're into this hobby with as you say in the the you know, the little the hodinky intro, right? There's watches tend to overlap with aviation and travel and motorsport and diving and militaria and all of that. Just uh it's it's a, a really kind of cool thing to watch. It's not action packed. It's just old guys in their 80s and 90s and you know probably late 90s briefly telling their stories and you know how they did some of these things. And as somebody who's you know flown airplanes to To get a sense of how difficult a proposition maritime aviation at at war was, we take it so much for granted now. How you know high tech everything is. These are people that you know. Once you once you launched off the carrier, you know, and flew out of range, visual range of the ship, you know, the technology to bring you back. Was not great, <laughs> you know, and your your ability to predict and deal with weather was not great, and your ability to communicate with other airplanes fifty feet away from you was not great, and how these people you know went about extremely difficult you know missions, uh, difficult undertakings in a wartime scenario, in combat, um, yeah. So my my hat's off, and it's just one of those things. It's always a good kind of you know placeholder for what's important. And I, I love the the history of our hobby and the historical aspects of our hobby. And this is one of these things. So the title of this on YouTube is literally it's, and here comes that UH 60 again. Sorry. It's going to pass over the house. Super low. I hear the windows rattling. I don't know if you can hear it. Okay, Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, best World War II documentary on naval aviation in the Pacific... Eleven, the movie, and again, it's eleven spelled out as a word, not the number.
0: I uh, think that's awesome. I'll check that out. I think um, you really have to capture, you know, the oral history of some of these things, um, especially while the people are are present. And so, um, you know, as subsequent generations come come through, to not have that would be a, a travesty. So that's a great recommendation.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, a it from, again, from my point of view, the idea of watches and aviation, for instance, and I'll just pick one angle, you know, again, you can do motorsport or outdoor, you know, activities, hiking, climbing, caving, diving. Uh, but the aviation piece for me kind of hits home. And it's one of these things that just reminds you how incredibly difficult this was not an adventure it, it, in, you know, uh, that sense, every, literally everything about it was death defying and they just went and did it like, okay. And yeah, I, I have no concept of how, uh, just the, the brassness of the, you know, well, I won't finish the sentence, but yeah, the, the fortitude required to do it. Um, and, and that's without firing a shot just you know go out and fly 2 or 300 miles from your ship and return back you know on on fumes and bring the aircraft down and back on a wooden deck that was you know 50 or 100 miles away from where you left it uh in rolling seas without a radio
0: Oof, <sighs> crazy that's incredible yeah um yeah well bonus content just to tie a uh ribbon on what we said earlier there's a documentary apparently called Saturday Night directed by James Franco and it uh it's a 90 minute look apparently at um what it takes to to record one show of Saturday Night Live so basically a week at SNL could be interesting maybe yeah, check it out
1: Yeah I think that uh that would be Saturday Night Live is the sort of the grand dam of of late night comedy and I I wish it was more consistently better but I think everybody who's my age says that about stuff that they they grew up watching in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's certainly they they do even at the worst of times they do an amazing job. I mean the idea of of doing all the the writing leading up to it, you know, minimal amount of time to rehearse and then just get on live in front of an audience. That's uh maybe not like a, an okay 3 wire at night, but that's still probably you know get your your blood pumping pretty hard
0: <laughs> there you go i think you tied everything together there well with that man what do you say
1: dude i think that's it man you ready to have that last sip sure am dude cheers good to see it. and there's actually still a little bit of bourbon in the bottom of this glass take so, it easy bud salute
0: we hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of time Podcast and contact us at
1: spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.